0: Hi there, and welcome to season two of the Kraken Busters, where we are exploring the Great Sea Monster Crisis in 1987. This is episode 205, Cover Up. I'm Keith Pilly. So, last week, we kind of moved in two modes. First, we talked about Detachment 69 Commander General Abernathy's report back to President Kennedy about what happened off of Iceland. And then Kennedy's decision in consultation with some advisors that included both members of his cabinet and his two brothers to keep the incident and the sea monster resurgence in general under wraps, while amassing a naval task force nearby in case they were needed, especially if the Soviets tried to pull something off. And I spent a while, maybe too long, but hey, it's important, talking about the history of the Cold War and its two opposing alliances, the Atlantic Defense Pact, or ADP, and the Berlin Pact. This week, Kennedy consults with his allies, finds some new advisors, and some chess pieces are moved around the world. Now, I've been frustrated, as I've done the research for this season, that the uh, response to Freedom of Information Act requests for records of the RFK presidency, you yeah, know, they've been spotty at best. And one of the most total failures on that front has been with information about Kennedy's calls with other ADP leaders on May seventh, 1987. Usually, for this sort of thing, you can at least get a transcript, even if it's heavily redacted. In this case, just nothing. Juliana Burke was party to some of these discussions, but she couldn't really help me here either, beyond just broad generalities. That part of our interview got pretty testy, if I'm being candid. So, I can't really say with any authority how those discussions went. I can't even say completely for sure who Kennedy talked to, although Margaret Thatcher of the UK, with whom Kennedy had an absolutely abysmal relationship, was probably his first call, and he clearly talked to Guy Spatels, I'm probably murdering the pronunciation of that, of Belgium at some point. If the details of those calls are unobtainable, at least for now, the good news is that the subsequent events make it pretty easy to suss out what was on the agenda. Before spending approximately six hours in consultation with his allies, Kennedy had been content to keep the sea creature outbreak covered up and just have a naval team stand by. After the last call was finished, he called his brothers and National Security Advisor Burke back into the Oval Office to have them help him work out the details of a new, more international strategy to work in tandem with the news blackout. The one thing Burke was able to tell me was that the UK's Thatcher was absolutely dead set on bringing battle to any sea monsters that might be out there as soon as possible, preferably with the BBC on hand to broadcast the action live. And she and Kennedy got very tense in their disagreement over the matter before Kennedy was finally able to threaten to cut off grain exports if she didn't fall in line. Since grain exports from the US were widely seen as the narrow thread that was keeping her in power. Thatcher relented, but with bad grace. But then she did everything with bad grace. Uh, Kennedy argued in this second meeting with his retinue that keeping quiet wasn't going to be enough. Ships were going to get lost to sea monsters near Iceland, and word was going to get out no matter what. So to have any hope of keeping things quiet, it would be necessary to keep shipping away from Iceland entirely. So, he said, The plan would be for the U.S. government, in tandem with the governments of the U.K., Denmark, and Iceland, to issue an official shipping caution for the North Atlantic, warning ships to stay away after all. But, and this is the part that was clearly cooked up in consultation with other ADP leaders, and to me, this has Thatcher written all over it, but I need to be clear that that is just speculation on my part. Instead of admitting why ships were being asked to stay away, the announcements would also include veiled statements to the effect that the CIA had determined that a pair of Soviet nuclear vessels had had a terrible accident at sea, and that a radiation plume from this event was the reason for the quarantine. National Security Advisor Burke was tasked with working with CIA Director Hughes on getting the agency to put together an action plan to make this plausible. She immediately set off for CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia, to discuss this. Burke left the White House with the understanding that just about everything was on the table as an option to prop up the story. Juliana Burke and Ron Hughes were, of course, not willing to talk to anyone about that conversation, but I was able to find a person who was in the room that day for much of the meeting who was willing to talk to me if I didn't use their name. I have pretty good reason to believe that this person, a longtime national security worker, is trustworthy, and their account does jibe with the public record of what happened afterwards. I am going to quote their statement at length here. Quote, The White House had of course called ahead and let Hughes know that Burke was on her way. To get ready, Hughes called an emergency crisis meeting with a bunch of relevant people, the deputy director, the director of operations, the head of the Soviet desk, and a couple of analysts there, the head of the Iceland desk, uh, just a bunch of us generalists. We didn't know what the meeting was going to be for, so there was a lot of disjointed chatter while we waited for Burke. And then she showed up and immediately laid it out for us. There were sea monsters off of Iceland. Oh, shit. They'd taken down multiple civilian ships and nearly gotten one of our amphibious assault ships. A huge fucking jellyfish ate a bunch of sailors by dissolving them into mush. Double-oh shit. Maybe triple-oh shit. The president was worried more than anything else about a panic. Reasonable. So as he tried to figure out what to do and give the Navy time to get a task force together, he wanted an emergency declared to keep people out of the sea around Iceland. Okay, reasonable with the cover story of a Soviet naval disaster that had created a danger of radioactivity. And here we were all like, well, uh, okay? And our mission here was to come up with a plan to make that cover story stick. And here we really were just, what? Uh, sure. So in the moment there, I was torn. It seemed nuts to even be wasting time on this cover story when there was a goddamn sea monster crisis starting. We needed to be focusing everything we had on hitting those sons of bitches hard before this got out of hand, if it hadn't already. But that was just my knee jerking. I worked it all out right then and there. The U.S. government was a big entity that could do a lot of things. The Navy presumably was working on hitting them hard, but they really did need time to get their shit together for that. The president was probably right to worry about a panic. One big difference between him and Harry Truman in 1945 was that Truman didn't have CNN and a 24 hour news cycle to worry about. This had the potential to escalate to a panic the second some cameraman got footage of a tentacle sticking out of the water, or, God forbid, some sailor dissolving down into jellyfish chow. So we needed to get this cover story in place fast, and we had to make it stick. So the ideas flew. How were we going to convince the world that a Russian nuclear disaster had happened? Well, planted news stories, someone suggested. Okay, that's a good start. We had contacts with all the outlets. You could always count on some grave-faced national security reporter to stand in front of the Pentagon and say that they'd been briefed on background by a senior administration official, that there'd been an accident. You, you could pitch it just right so that it sounded like there was more to the story that they just couldn't reveal yet. That way, even the inevitable Soviet denials would just actually sort of add believability. So, okay, that was a start. That was the obvious start. But there was no way it would be enough, even if we could get similar pieces into outlets in other countries. So, all right then, other countries. What if we get the governments of Iceland, Ireland, and the UK to say that they were aware of a lot of radioactivity up there? Get Iceland to issue a radiation alert. Tougher sell, but probably doable, given that we had cooperative elements in all those governments, and some of them were at least sort of on board with Kennedy at the executive level. And anyway, this was going to be a thing that we'd have to find a way to make happen, or the whole thing was just going to fall apart. I still I didn't feel like it was enough. I don't remember who actually came up with the idea, but it just slowly took over the room. If we were going to do this and make it stick... We were probably going to need to create a situation where independent bodies, or at least what the public perceived as independent bodies, could verify something. So that this wasn't just a series of convenient governments and agencies making our claims for us. We we needed to arrange for some actual radioactivity in the seas off of Iceland to give the international community something to detect. That way the Soviets could deny it all they wanted, and they'd still be stymied. Now, the idea was never to blanket the entire ocean with radioactive material, mind you. Just to plant enough stuff near the edges of the exclusion zone that the current would take it out and create the implication that there was something really hot in the water deeper in that you just you needed to stay away from. Of course, this wouldn't hold forever, but nothing would. We just needed to buy time for the navy, we figured. And also, of course, this would require getting a ship back into the exclusion zone to plant the material. This was driving us crazy. The director of operations was fretting about the nuts and bolts of this when Burke just casually mentioned that there was already a Detachment 69 team near the scene on board the assault ship that had been attacked. Suddenly it clicked into place. The room filled with knots. This was the perfect D-69 mission. End quote. And so, the word came from Langley back to the White House, through the Pentagon, and off to General Abernathy at the Fearless Freaks Classified Headquarters. Delgado and his team were going to need to go back in sooner than planned, with a bunch of radioactive material for them to plant. A team at Langley was working furiously to collect and fabricate the material to be planted, and as soon as it was ready, one of D-69's air assets would work to get it to the Flag Island, which was still holding station in between Greenland and Iceland. This time, the Flag Island wouldn't be going in alone, though. Remember, the Navy had been ordering Atlantic fleet assets to rally at the point in the ocean where she'd been holding station, and by the time the quote-unquote evidence would be delivered, a fair number of ships would be there, including a carrier battle group centered around the supercarriers USS Enterprise and Nimitz. This task force, under the command of Admiral Matt Yellen, would be going in with them, ostensibly to patrol the quarantine zone, while the Flag Island pretended to just be part of the anti-submarine screen. At least that was the plan. Admiral Yellen, for his part, reported that he was emphatically in favor of going into the exclusion zone. He felt hemmed in, sailing his growing flotilla and squares around the rally point, with planes out on air search reporting outsized tentacles, fins, and serpent bodies breaching the surface at points closer and closer to the fleet. This is a situation, he radioed back to Atlantic Fleet headquarters in Norfolk, Virginia, that will absolutely not abide in action for much longer. This will get out of control with disastrous consequences if we do not take direct action in the very, very near future. End quote. And and that is it for this week. Join me next week as the pieces get put into place to get this cover-up rolling. And we pull back and take a look at the history of espionage. Um, in the meantime, if you have enjoyed the show, as always, you know, spread the word. Uh, if you're if you feel like it, if you care. Um, thanks a lot and be well.